I just want to name that Carol stood up there to sing the last hymn, and I thought to myself, you have been by my side at every moment of this past year, and it has been such a gift to be your colleague and your friend, and to see your beautiful ministry in this place, and I can't thank you enough for all that you have done for me and all the ways you've walked alongside me this year. Okay. This is from Romans 8, starting in verse 31. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God, who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will God not with him also give up everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's people? Is it God who justifies? Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of God in Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, this is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place and in all places be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, a friend of mine here in Louisville was leading worship at her church a few weeks ago, and as is their tradition, she began to lead the church in saying the Lord's Prayer. Except after she said, let us pray these words that Jesus taught us, her mind suddenly went blank. She stood there in silence, thinking surely the words would come to her. I mean, she had said this prayer hundreds of times. And she kept thinking, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, but that wasn't right. And then she thought of the words creator, Christ, and spirit one from the doxology, but that wasn't right either. And for the life of her, she couldn't remember how the prayer began. And so she continued standing there in silence. The congregation, meanwhile, thought she must be having a really holy moment up there or something. (laughs) Until she finally panicked turned aside and whispered, I forgot the words. (laughs) And it was actually one of the youth at the church who whispered back to her, Our Father who art in heaven. (laughs) And she began the prayer. It was this beautiful reminder that even pastors never get it all right. We need you. 
And we need each other in a community of faith. As we begin this year of rebuilding love at Highland, we are going to return to this prayer that Jesus taught us as one of the foundations of our faith that we can build upon and live into together. Many of us know the Lord's Prayer, even if we do forget the words from time to time. But if we can say the words, maybe we should take it a step further and ask ourselves, what is it exactly that we believe about them? And perhaps more importantly, how does what we believe about these words impact the ways in which we live our day-to-day lives? Because I think Jesus' hope in teaching the disciples this prayer is that those who pray it will reorient their lives around the things that we are praying. And so our staff wanted to spend a few weeks taking a closer look at this prayer together as we discern how we might reorient our lives and our church around it here at Highland. And so today I want to focus on these first words of the prayer Actually, I want to focus on the very first word, our. Because have you ever noticed that we don't pray to my father or my mother or my parent when we offer this prayer? We pray to our father. And we don't pray for God to only forgive me of my trespasses. We pray for God to forgive all of us of all the things that we have done. And we don't pray for daily bread so that we can just keep it all to ourselves. We ask for daily bread for each and every one of us. From the very first word, this prayer reminds us that we can't do this life of faith on our own. Even if you are praying this prayer by yourself, you are joining your voices with people all around the world who are offering it alongside you. As Ebony Johanna writes in the Gospel According to a Black Woman, she says, If we can understand that God isn't just for us, but God is holding it down for billions of other people across the globe, then maybe we will start to do life a little differently. Because all of a sudden we stop seeing life in terms of me, but we. And yet it it seems that somewhere along the way we have lost this much-needed perspective in our broader Christian community today. Because so many of us see this life of faith as being all about me And that's not to say that there is not an incredibly important personal component to faith for each of us, because there is. But it's so much bigger than that. It's so much bigger than any one person or any one story. It's one of the reasons I wish our larger Christian community were leading the way in this pandemic. We're leading the way in caring for our neighbors by getting a vaccine for those who are medically able or wearing masks in public when the CDC instructs us to. And yet the sad and quite frankly angering truth is that it seems to be almost the exact opposite. The Wall Street Journal shared recently that white evangelicals are resisting the COVID-19 vaccine more than any other religious group. 
24% of white evangelicals said in June that they would not be vaccinated, according to a study from the Public Religion Research Institute. The percentage of white evangelicals who say that they have been vaccinated or plan to get the shot as soon as possible was 56% in June, which was one of the lowest figures of all of the different groups that were polled. Now, we could have long debates and conversations about all of the reasons that this group and others may be resisting the vaccine, but I can't help but wonder if one reason is that we have lost this crucial understanding that a life of faith isn't about me, but it's about we. Perhaps it's why we hear so many people of faith who seem so much more focused on the idea that it's okay, God will protect me, instead of asking, how might God want to use me to help protect others? Somewhere along the way, we have become so enamored with an individualistic faith that we have completely forgotten all the other people who are part of this equation with us. Friends, we've forgotten that we belong to one another. And I think what we're seeing now is that the consequences of that are devastating. But when we pray the Lord's Prayer in plural, we are suddenly brought out of our individualized, compartmentalized Christianity, and we are brought into the company of a whole host of people who pray this prayer alongside us, reminding us that never for one second are we part of this life of faith on our own. And we pray together to the God who is a divine parent to us all. You see, this prayer reminds us that our God doesn't pick favorite teams. God doesn't favor some of us over others as much as we would like to believe that to be true. When the book of Romans says that if God is for us, who can be against us? I have to mean that means all of us. But that can be hard to wrap our minds around, can't it? As Barbara Brown Taylor puts it, we cling to the illusion that some of us are blessed and some of us are not. And that it is our job as those who are blessed to rescue those who are not. And so we labor under the illusion that our work includes us and them. With us, the caregivers, the helpers, the lucky ones on one side of the counter, and them, the clients, the supplicants, the unlucky on the other. We give in to the illusion that they can all be saved if only we will work hard enough hours and find enough money and gather enough publicity for all the work we are doing. But our Lord reminds us that we are people who all live by the grace of God each and every one of us. There is no us or them out there, just us, all of us, lined up along the same side of God's counter. And so the very first word of this prayer reminds us that this life of faith is so much bigger, so much more expansive and more unimaginable than any single person or story or experience. Because our God is the God of all of us. And if God is for all of us, then who can be against us? 
Friends, that very idea is completely revolutionary. Sarah Miles actually found this out when she discovered Christianity. She said she was raised as an atheist and lived as a restaurant cook and a writer. And then early one morning, she wandered into a church service. She writes, I was certainly not interested in becoming a Christian, or as I thought of it rather less politely, a religious nut. But on walks, I would pass this beautiful old church building, and this time I went in on an impulse with no more than a reporter's habitual curiosity. But that day that she wandered into a church, Sarah was given a piece of bread and a sip of wine that was offered for everyone, and she was completely transformed. She said, as a lesbian left-wing journalist who covered revolutions around the world, I was not the kind of person my friends expected to start talking about Jesus all of a sudden. She was certainly not the kind of person folks expected to start running a faith-based charity either. But before long, she had turned the bread she received at communion that day into tons of groceries piled on the church's altar to be given away. The first food pantry she established provided hundreds of people who were poor, elderly, sick, and marginalized with life-saving food and a sense of belonging. Within a few years, these loaves had multiplied, and she and the people she served started nearly a dozen more pantries across their community. But I love what she writes about this. She says, what I began to realize was this truly disturbing, dreadful realization about Christianity. You can't be a Christian by yourself. She said, I was not going to get to sit by myself and think lofty thoughts about how much Jesus loved me in particular. And I certainly didn't get to pick who else was good enough holy enough or deserving enough to receive it. Because what I discovered that day when I received communion for the very first time is that this wasn't a private meal. It couldn't be. That the bread on that table had to be shared with everyone in order for me to really taste it. And friends, I would say that the same is true about the Lord's Prayer that it has to be said alongside everyone else in order for any of us to be able to say it at all. And so today, I would like to invite us to pray this prayer together. But as we do, I would like for us to think about all the people we are praying it alongside. We pray it alongside those who are sick with COVID right now. We pray it with doctors, nurses, administrators, caregivers, all those who are helping to care for people who are sick, even as they are overwhelmed by this work, they continue to do it faithfully. We pray it alongside those in Haiti recovering from a devastating earthquake. We pray this prayer alongside those who are in Afghanistan in a completely overwhelming situation. We pray it today alongside teachers, students and parents beginning a new school year in such a difficult way right now. We pray it alongside our colleague, minister, friend, Carol Harston, 
as she completes this chapter of ministry with us at Highland and sets off to begin something new. We pray it when we can't muster the words on our own, grateful for the voices who pray it on our behalf. We pray it with all those we love, and we pray it with all those we struggle to love. We pray it alongside people in this very sanctuary, with people who are watching and streaming online across the city of Louisville and beyond. And so together we pray this prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, I've shared that this life of faith is so much bigger than any one person can experience on our own. And it's exactly why we have a time of invitation here at Highland to invite you to share with this larger community of faith about what God might be doing in your life. And so if you would like to come forward today to share a decision to be baptized, to follow Jesus with us, or to become part of our Highland family, we would love to welcome you as we continue in worship.